Hello and welcome to Actuarial People with myself, James Turner. I'm excited to be launching a brand new podcast where each week I'll be speaking with the UK actuary. My aim is to give you, the listener, greater insight into the people behind the profession and their personal career journeys. So we'll cover things like why and how they became an actuary, what they do on a day-to-day basis, how they balance work and study with life, any specialisms they've developed, and how their role has evolved over time. So whether you're an actuary yourself, or you're aspiring to become one in the future, welcome and enjoy. Please welcome to Actuarial People, Ilona Roberts. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. It's a sunny-ish Friday afternoon and it's my son's birthday. He's turning five tomorrow, so busy weekend ahead. Oh, that is exciting. So is he starting school then soon? He starts school next week, yes. So yeah, he'll be the oldest in his in his year, his class. And yeah, very much looking forward to Lovely. to that. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on the show, Alona. We will sort of have a, a nice sort of talk through your career history to date um, in a sec. But I just wondered if for the listeners, you could quickly give an overview of who you are and what you do today. And then we'll go right back to the beginning. Yes, sure. Um, so my name's Ilona Roberts. I'm a pensions actuary. I currently work at EY um, and I specialise in uh, pensions risk transfer, so helping pension schemes towards the end of their lifetime, um, going out to, to insurers or talking to consolidators about options for them. Fantastic. So I'll, I'll begin where I do every week, which is asking you to cast your mind back to the moment when you first realised that actuaries existed. Um, so I must have been at school and I did one of these career questionnaires. Um, and when we got the results, one of the jobs on there was an actuary. And uh, yeah, I think that was the first time I'd heard what it was. Um, and I remember talking about it with my friends and one of my teachers overheard and said, oh, I used to be an actuary. You don't want to be an actuary. That's a really boring <laughs> job. Um, so I kind of I must have left school at 18, not knowing what I wanted to be, but knowing I definitely didn't want to be an actuary. <laughs> Fantastic. I've not heard that before. <laughs> so um, so what happened after that? Um, so I went off to university um, and I did, I studied physics at university um, and quite a lot of my friends who had done maths and physics started training to be actuaries but I was still determined I definitely wasn't going to be an actuary um so I left university at 22 I didn't know what I wanted to do but I I'd signed up for um sort of regular bulletins from uh, the career service and uh, in those days it was it was sent to your home so I got them once a week in the post and um, a position came up for a six-month placement uh, working on the pensions review um, for a contractor who worked for Hazel Carr at the time um, and so yes he was a he was an actuary but I definitely wasn't going to be an actuary <laughs> but this you know it was good money it was six months it gave me some experience which I could then use when when I wanted to go and find a permanent job um so I I moved to Abington to uh start work on the uh pensions review uh and I did one month and then um at the time Hazel Carr stopped giving cases to uh contractors who 
had employed people. So I got made redundant after a month. But in that one month, I learned about quite a lot about pensions. So I learned about GMP and I learned about revaluation. And I realized they were really quite complicated and I thought was quite interesting. So that's what changed my mind. And that's how I decided actually maybe becoming an actuary wasn't as bad as my, my maths teacher had told me in the in the mid 90s. <laughs> the, the, the pensions review rings a bell. I started recruiting in 2005 and I worked for Hayes at the time. I was only there for nine months, but I remember sort of coming in. I was the only person covering the pension side on the actuarial team and I think I went through those full nine months not really realising the difference between someone who had only worked on pension review and people who have done the sort of full valuation work and more traditional actuarial stuff so I, I think I spoke to quite a few people who had who had worked on it. Um, how did you find it going from that into presumably your next role was was actuarial was it? Is that what you did next? It wasn't straight away. So around that time, um, so I'd met my my now husband at university and around that time we were making the decision about whether or not we wanted to to, to live together and he'd moved up to Scotland. So um, I sort of put my, my recruitment on the back burner while I found a job up in, in Scotland. So I actually got a, another job on a different review, this time in the endowment policy review, and okay. that was working for um, Hyam Group. Um, but in a non-actuarial role. So I did a year working for them in Glasgow, um, commuting through to Glasgow every day. And then that one-year contract allowed me to apply for, for actuarial positions then. And I think that was the point where I decided I wanted to go into pensions actuarial um, because I found pensions more interesting than endowment policies, uh, perhaps not realising that, that insurance is more than just endowment policies. Um, and I got a position with Mercer on their graduate program, which started the following year. Um, and again, that was in Glasgow to start with working in their valuations team at the time. So this was a new team that was being set up, um, purely working on valuations. Um, and I did that for about a year. And that was fantastic grounding. There was a lot of data work. There was a lot of calculations. There was a lot of coding and process. But you saw a lot of different pension schemes. Um, and so you saw the way different pension schemes approached, you know, all the different little intricacies that you, you have in pensions. Um, and it also you know, taught me the value of having good process and, and sort of good do-check review processes in place as well so that was a really good grounding um and then uh, because i was living in edinburgh at the time um i managed to get a role in the mercer edinburgh team which was more general pensions consulting um and i was i was there for a little bit as well and so you know i got exposure to to some client work you know at a a, a very junior level uh, while i was at mercer and then did you start taking the exams around then as well, or did they come in a bit later? Yeah, no. So I started taking exams. So I think it was 2005 I took my first exam. Um, and I used to take advantage of the 45-minute the train journey from, from Edinburgh to Glasgow to do my studying. So I managed to get an hour and a half done every day. Um, and yes, yeah, sat my first exams in 2005. So what was your sort of first impression now that you're you're in an actuarial role, you're starting the exams, did you start to get a sense of, yes, this is for me and this is how I'd like my career to progress? Or were you still sort of trying to work out whether you prefer 
the technical side, the consulting side, um, different types of work and so on? Yeah, I don't think I was thinking about that at the time. I think I was just, I was trying to manage the balance between work and study and life at the same time and, you know, making new friends in a new city. Um, So I wasn't really thinking about long-term plans. My first goal was always just to qualify. I suppose I was thinking a little bit about, you know, how how do I get more exposure? I was so I think I was sort of very keen to progress at the beginning without necessarily understanding what you needed in order to progress. I was kind of expecting that that, that sort of schoolgirl mentality. It's like now you're ready for this or now you're ready for that, rather than it took me quite a long time to realise you have to create your own career path and you have to sort of find your uh, your own roles and that it doesn't happen overnight. It, it's you know it's a long drawn out process to to you know, you're learning something new every day. Yeah, yeah, um, and I can see on LinkedIn around about the same time, so 2006. Uh, you became the treasurer for the Faculty of Actuarial Student Society. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so I got involved with that. Um, I think it's still going in Edinburgh. Um, but it, yeah, it was a, just a chance for students from all the different uh, employers to get together. Um, it was mainly a social thing, but then there were a few sort of training exercises. And you you meet students during uh during tutorials so it was yeah it was a really nice way to to get to know people and meet people um and i was keen to get involved with the organizing of it there's there's one thing that the faz did every year which was a big ball um and it would be held somewhere centrally and we got to put on our nice clothes and go for a nice dinner um and i think i got involved with that first and then the structure of FAS was changed um, and I offered to become a treasurer for a year so yeah it was really interesting and it was really nice working with actuaries from all different um, all different companies and all different specialisms and to actually think about how we could progress the profession and make the services better for, for students um, yeah. Do you remember anything that came from that? Any any of the challenges people were raising or any of the problems that were on the agenda at that time? Um, no, I think it was around the time that um, the, there was talk about the, the, the faculty and the institute merging. Um, so I remember there being lots of more general debate. But I think, again, as students, we felt a little bit removed from that. So it was more about having support for um exams and uh yeah offering that sort of emotional support because uh, after so long of studying you just want to be able to meet people and chat and sort of yeah um just just see yeah how different what people's experiences are at different firms fine so so then you you made a move so you were at mercer you then moved to another company can you remember what the catalyst was for thinking maybe i'd like to gain experience somewhere else Hi guys, we'll get straight back to the conversation in a second. Just a quick reminder that when I'm not recording podcasts, I specialise in helping pensions actuaries with their career moves, and I'd love to help you when the time comes to explore your options. I work with people at all levels, whether you have a couple of years experience through to senior positions. My approach is different to most recruiters. I started my own business last year and work alone, which means I have zero pressure to hit targets and can just focus on giving the best possible help and advice. So whether you're thinking of making a move now or would just like to understand your options for the future, please get in touch via LinkedIn or email james at turnerperkins.com. 
back to the show. Yeah, so I moved to Punter Southall um, and actually I'd started applying for Punter Southall while I was still working in Glasgow. So the catalyst was really um, uh, wanting to move to Edinburgh. Um, but it was just the the team in Mercer was quite big. They hadn't taken any, any new graduates after they'd taken on me. Um, and I just wanted to get exposure to something a little bit different. And this job came up and at Punta Southall at the time, it was um, one senior student, uh, one ski matchery, and then the role that I walked into. So it was very different. And um, the senior student left around the time that I started as well. So for a long time, it was just me and, and a ski matchery. And I learned a lot. I was very heavily involved in clients. I formed some very good relationships with clients while I was there. And, uh, you know, working for a very small office and a very small team, uh, I got it, I probably got exposure to a lot more a lot earlier than um, I would have done in a, in a, in a bigger team. Um, and it was a bit of a baptism of fire. I think sometimes I was doing work which was perhaps beyond my skill level. So, but it allowed me to work very closely with the, the senior member of staff at the time. And um, yeah, I think I learned a lot very quickly. And I'll just ask, because you then worked for another consultancy afterwards. Mm. As someone who's worked in a few different consultancies, what would you say the differences are between them? And I don't mean specifically the three you've worked for, but what sort of things should people think about if they're sort of wondering how would another consultancy be different? Um, I don't think they are that different, to be honest. Um, the, the smaller consultancy had different systems. There was probably a lot more um, sort of mucking in and building models. Um, but um, no, they, they were all quite similar and they all had a similar approach. Uh, the clients might be slightly different. Um, so certainly I got exposure to smaller clients at the smaller consultancy, but at the bigger one. Whereas I got to work on, you know, humongous schemes when I was at some of the bigger consultancies. But having said that, you're a very small cog in the wheel. Um, so you might be doing calculations, but you're perhaps not getting as much exposure to the the, the clients themselves. Um, but yeah, I think there's not that much difference between them. You know, you, you're working with very bright people and people move around quite a lot as well. So you're getting the best ideas moving around to all the consultancies as the as people are moving around. Does the same apply to the culture? Do they do they have different feels in terms of yeah, just what it feels like to work there or Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little bit. I mean, I've always worked in Scotland and I've always worked in Scottish offices. So the the teams are usually a lot smaller and you tend you know the people. You know, the the actuarial industry in Scotland's quite small, so you get to know people quite quickly. So maybe more so in the you know, in London where the offices are a lot bigger. Um but no, I didn't I didn't find massive differences in the culture. Having said that, now I'm working for a big four there is a different culture um and it might be because i was away from i was away from consultancy for 8 years so i've i've come back in at a a different point um but uh certainly where i am now um there's a lot more cross practice working so i spend a lot of time talking to our colleagues in the covenant team or in tax or in in insurance whereas i 
yeah, certainly when I was at the, the pensions consultancies, I tended to work with pensions consultants. I didn't really work with, with actuaries from other areas. So what was what was most important to you, I guess, across the, the sort of first few years? Were you just trying to gain as much variety of work as possible? Were you trying to, was it the client contact bit that was driving you? Was it just get qualified and, and, and move up that way? What were your sort of motivations? I, th- I think it was qualification. I think that was the biggest thing. I, I was a bit later starting my exams than a lot of students. I was 25 when I sat my first exam. Um, I, want, I was desperate to qualify before I was 30. Um, so I just wanted the study support. I wanted to, to, to get to that level. But then it's all inter- the interesting work has always been important to me. So, you know, I, I, I like the academic side of things finding things out, learning something new. Um, and yeah, it's the, the sort of the turning the handle side of things is less interesting for me. I always try and find something that make that I'm learning, which is a bit different and a bit new. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that, again, the profession's moved on a lot since then. And a lot of the turning the handle stuff is now done by models and uh, actuaries are by nature getting more involved in the interesting stuff much earlier on okay and then if we jump forward a a little bit more so I guess one of the really interesting things about your um, career path is you then when are we 2014 uh, you sort of made the leap across from a, a pensions consultancy to working for an insurer yeah yeah and that was interesting um so that was when I was returning from maternity leave after having my daughter um and yeah, I think it was, I, I'm trying to think what caused it now. It was really, I didn't want to, I knew at that point I didn't want to be a scheme actuary. Um, I don't know why, <laughs> um, but it just wasn't for me. Maybe I just felt other people were better at that. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and I didn't necessarily want to be a consultant because my priorities had changed. I wanted to spend some time with my children. Um, you know, I, I've never worked very, very long hours, but sometimes you, you know, there are a requirement to work long hours and to, to you know, everybody get in there together to, um, to support um, your clients. But with young children, it just felt like that wasn't, it wasn't quite, the balance wasn't quite right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I decided to contract for a while and that was really just to give me the flexibility. My son had been in hospital a few times when he was very little and, um, you know, when you've got a toddler in hospital, you just need to be there all the time and you sleep mm-hmm. there and not having to worry about work was was good. And I thought contracting would be a really good opportunity to find out what I wanted to do, to try out different things that actuaries were doing and to experience different employers um, but it didn't quite work that way because I got a contract at um, Scottish Widows and then my contract get, kept getting extended and I ended up being there as a contractor for three and a half years working in one role but it was a really interesting role it was um, uh, working in rectification so looking at when things have not gone quite right for uh, for customers of insurance companies and then trying to fix the problems within the systems and then um, redress customers if they've been financially disadvantaged by any errors. Um, so there was a lot of thinking on your feet, a lot of problem solving, 
and a lot of working with non-actuaries. So, uh, you know, I would be part, I was part of the actuarial team, but we worked very closely with project managers and business analysts. And it was a really good way to learn about insurers and how they worked and how the policies and you know, all, all the different products worked. And um, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. So uh, while I was there, the a role came up uh, working in the bulk annuity pricing team, and my my children were a bit older then. My son's health issues had gone away, and it felt like the right time to look to go permanent again. So um, yeah, I joined I joined the bulk annuity team. It must have been 2017, 2016, 2017. Uh, yeah, 2017. Yeah, if uh, if LinkedIn is correct. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you move into the, the bulk annuities team. Yeah. How was that? You must be drawing on various bits of experience from other roles for that, but also learning some new stuff at the same time. Yeah, um, it, it was a lot harder than I thought it would be. Um, I kind of assumed that um, it would be a bit like valuing pensioners in a on a pension side of things. So it'd be very straightforward. I didn't um, fully understand the implications of solvency too at that point and what that means for pricing um but yeah it was really nice it's really exciting working on deals you know you're trying so hard to win business um you know you you sort of you've got a deadline to get a bid out that's really exciting um and yeah it was really interesting to learn how insurers view pensions liabilities compared to pension schemes uh, you know under a, a completely different regulatory regime um you know and, and i think one of the big differences between um sort of pension schemes and and insurers is we've only got one chance to price it you've got to get it right because you can't go back and ask for more money later on whereas when you're doing a, an actuary evaluation for a pension scheme you're kind of looking at it again every three years um so yeah really really interesting I, I again it was really nice to bring in my skills as a pensioners actuary into an insurance team and I felt like I had something to offer because I really understood pensioner liabilities but at the same time I was learning a lot because there was the whole the whole of the insurance side was completely alien to me I mean even down to um they would talk about basis points I've never talked about basis points before I've always talked about percentage points and I would say it took me a good 18 months before I had to stop converting it in my head um not that it's hard to convert but it's you know, having to do that in every conversation just takes you a, a second um yeah and and you know the pricing team is is quite a central part so you're working very closely with origination with people who are going out and and finding the business but then you're also working with the business to to understand what what the business will look like after you've taken on a big deal um so i got exposure to to, to how people working in capital look at things and how people in um reporting look at things and the investment side of things as well so yeah really really enjoyed that it was a really exciting team to work in yeah. Did did you think about moving over to the origination side and, and doing some of that stuff or you preferred pricing? Uh no, I did. I mean I was in I was in pricing for quite a long time. Um and that's partly because it took me quite a long time to to feel like I fully understood it. Um and then um yeah, I was sort of thinking sort of when I made the decision to move on, I was I didn't necessarily think about going back to pensions consulting. I was looking at all different opportunities in bulks, which wasn't 
necessarily pricing. So I knew at that point bulks was for me and that's where I wanted to be. But I wasn't sure if it was um if it was looking at the origination side of things or moving into consultancy and I was at that point I had I didn't have any firm plans. I was looking at pensions consulting, insurance consulting and in-house, just looking for something a bit different. Okay. And before we, we, we sort of move forward again, you've worked obviously in pensions, consultancies, you've worked on the insurance side. What are the differences there and, and what should people take into account if they're thinking of moving, say, from a consultancy into a bulk annuity provider? Or if it's maybe a graduate and they've got the opportunity to go straight into one or the other? Does one suit a certain type of person more than the other? Or are they just aspects of the role that they should keep in mind? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think when you work for an insurance company, you've got one client, um, which is the insurance company. So, um, and then the the roles are a lot more tightly defined. I mean, it's it's so specialist insurance, much more specialist than I ever thought as a pensions actuary. Um, so you've got capital actuaries and with profit actuaries, and uh, you can have a whole career in one insurer and work on you know. 10 very very different roles it's uh, I mean for students I think the study packages are probably I don't I wouldn't say they're more generous in insurance but you perhaps get more time to study but again it very much depends on the role you're in so you know if you're working on something customer facing with tight deadlines like bulk pricing you're you you're you perhaps aren't allowed to take the two-week study before your exams whereas maybe if you're in a more back office role work can be planned a lot better around around study and study time um yeah so i mean i think they're both exciting and they're both stressful and they're both interesting i think it's really just what are you interested in? You know, are you interested in client-facing work? In that case, you need to be in a consultancy in some capacity. Are you more interested in getting, you know, your hands really dirty and building complex models? You know, maybe you're more likely to find that working in an insurer. Um, yeah, but but yeah, there are there are so many opportunities. Insurance companies are very big place, so you can still do that a consulting type role even though you're not a consultant um because there's you know there's, there's so many non-actuaries you need to consult and communicate with on a on a regular basis and so and some people move from pensions consulting into a bulk annuity provider but their longer term plan is okay make the most of my pensions knowledge move into bulk annuities but then possibly move into a wider area you know, other life insurance products that are not linked to pensions. And that's kind of a way of them mm. moving from pensions to, to life in the long run. Do you see that happening? Is that would that have been equally available to you as a as a move rather than going into consulting? Or is it? Yeah, no. And, and you know, there were certain op- opportunities there. I think it, it's, yeah, I think you probably have to manoeuvre yourself quite carefully in how you move across. But, um, you know, one thing I've learned from all the different roles I've had is the skills that we have as actuaries are very, very transferable. Um, And so actuaries have got a way of thinking that maybe non-actuaries approach problems in a different way. So, you know, it doesn't matter whether your liabilities are pensions or some other sort of insurance product, you know 
how to view them and how to think about them and you know, the risks associated with them. So, um, yeah, we, we have skills and I think it is easily transferable. It's just some, there's a very steep learning curve in learning diff, you know, sort of different ways of approaching things and different regulatory regimes. But it's, it is interesting. Yeah, yeah. And and what in terms of career progression, another thing I've, I've touched on with a couple of other people recently, are there any differences between career progression in a consultancy and for an insurer in terms of timescales, in terms of how visible it is, what you can do next or, or anything else? Um, is it broadly similar or? Yeah, no, I don't think it is. Um, so, I mean, I've only worked for one insurer, so I can't comment. But I think with when when I was in consultancy, in the early days, it was sort of, you know, you you were told when you were ready for promotion and if there was a position, you got promoted. When I was at the insurer, that happened for students. So you would sort of, uh, you know, each year they would sort of look at all the students and decide which ones were ready for promotion. But then once you got to the, the sort of the, the qualified, the manager level and above, you were expected to apply for positions. So, you know, a position might come up in in capital um, as a manager and you might have um, four or five assistant managers from across the business applying for it as well as other managers. Um, so I don't know if that's the same in other insurers as well. And and so, you know, I think we were talking a bit before about uh, moving into other areas. You couldn't just do that. You had to apply for roles as they came up. So if the roles didn't come up, you know, you, you couldn't make that move. Um, and as I was leaving that role, that was being looked at because it was seen as a bit of a barrier for, for getting a breadth of experience as well. You know, if you're not even looking for a promotion, but you're just looking for a different opportunities, people were just sat there waiting for a vacancy before you know, creating a chain of vacancies. Um, and I know, if, uh, having having left, I know a few ex-colleagues sort of arranged job swaps so they they went and said well we actually want to you know rotate around a group of three or four and try different roles can management facilitate that and you know I, they, they managed to get it done um whereas um yeah and 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 now I'm back in consultancy it's very much about the you need to build a business case for for being promoted so it, again it it depends on the vacancies that are there but it's a it's a case of you sort of going and selling yourself and saying these are my skills this is why you should you should promote me so that, again that's very different to to when I was in 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 the insurer yeah Interesting. Okay. Um, and, and final question on on some of the differences. Work life balance was mm. it broadly similar? Consulting and insurance was it fewer hours in in insurance as, as people can believe, or, or, or I guess in bulk annuities it can be up and down. How was it for you? Yeah. Um. I don't think it was necessarily fewer hours. I was working part time when I moved to an insurer, and I found that a lot easier to manage because. It's much easier to plan your workload over the week. So I, when I when I moved, when I had children, I went down to three days a week. I found that didn't work particularly well with clients because you know there were two, yeah two days a week where things just weren't getting done. Or even if you were asking people to progress them, if they had a question, they had to wait until you came back. I found that much easier at a, at an insurer. Having said that, I very quickly moved up to four days a week 
Um, and that was really just for me to find a better balance for my life. Um, yeah, and again, it's very much dependent on roles. If you're working on deals, you're going to be working until 10 or 11 o'clock at night if something's gone wrong and it's got to go out. Uh, whereas maybe if you're in a different role, the hours are more steady. Um, uh, so, yeah, but definitely with, with, with clients, you're much more at the mercy of trying to make sure you deliver to clients on time and you're, you're creating an impression, whereas internally it's much easier to handle. Um, uh, to handle workloads. So why why did you move back to consulting? You said earlier you were you were fairly open minded. You were considering different directions to go in, but but you've moved to um, I guess I can say EY because we've named been yeah. naming companies so far. Yeah. Um, where did that how how did you come to that decision? Um, so I knew I was looking for something a bit different. I'd been in pricing for a while um i had done bulk annuity pricing and then i moved into individual annuity pricing for a while as well but i think i felt like my skill set was better suited to bulks but i'd done the pricing i felt i felt comfortable i don't like feeling comfortable i like challenging myself um and I'd spoken to a few different people about roles and, you know, I'd sort of gone down the recruitment process and then sort of ended it because it wasn't quite what I was looking for. Um, This role came up through LinkedIn, actually. It was advertised and I saw it and I thought, well, that suits me. And I'd originally not thought about going back to pensions. I was originally thinking I'd stay, I'd move to insurance consulting. But this role came up and it was, I actually moved into it for um, my boss at the time, Leah Evans. Uh, She was creating a new team within EUI. And I just really liked her. Um, I really wanted to work with her and I wanted to learn from her. Um, And, you know, it was building a team, which I liked. It was, um, I liked working with people and there was a lot of people development. Um, and it was working closely with my colleagues in insurance. And I really like the idea of not losing my insurance knowledge and being able to use that. So, I mean, the role was sold to me and it's pretty much how it is. It's sort of growing and developing a business, helping pension scheme clients um, achieve their end game solution, but then also working within insurance companies and helping them with their proposition and I've done a little bit of that as well so going into potential new entrants in the market or existing providers and being able to support them and uh, in lots of different ways um yeah I like I love I, I love the breadth of knowledge at EY I like um working with our insurance colleagues finding out what they know and using that to help my 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 pensions clients um and then in the same you know if I'm finding issues that my pensions clients are facing I can talk to my insurance colleagues um so that they're they can talk to their clients about it and, and find solutions no it's as, as luck would have it I, I I know I mentioned this before we started recording but I I was lucky enough to sit down with Chris Anderson last week and um I I reached out to both of you at completely different times I think you came to me but it's just just one of those things in terms of when we can actually sit down and and record so I um got a good sense of of what he does there so I guess the two of you must work quite closely together we do I would I'd say we probably talk once or twice a week on average and um just sharing experiences and ideas just 
learning from each other as well so if you know if i'm not quite sure how a um an insurer is going to view a, a certain situation with the client i can go and talk to him and he'll usually have an answer or you know one of his colleagues it's not just him and then again he'll he'll sort of come and ask me questions about pension schemes and their liabilities and i'm able to answer that so um, yeah it's worked really well so what what is it you you, you love about working for ey you, you kind of said earlier that most consultancies to a large extent are the same but I still don't, I'm asking you again because I still don't know if I fully buy that. There must be something that you're particularly drawn to in your in your current place. I uh, um I like the the team size. So we've got this huge brand behind us of EY, but we're you know a growing team. So I think there's about sixty of us in pensions consulting at the moment. So you get to know everybody. Um, People are experts in their different areas, and I really like learning from different people and collaborating together. Um, and I get a lot of autonomy as well. So, you know, trying to grow, a, develop a proposition. So I'm really thinking about what do I want to do to solve my clients' problems and what's the best way to do that. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I'm not saying you don't have that at other consultancies, but maybe I just wasn't senior enough to get involved in those decisions and discussions at that point um and then yeah i just i really like our clients i really like the collaboration i i so i talked about working with other colleagues in insurance but you know we work with colleagues in tax we work with colleagues abroad i'm regularly speaking to colleagues in um in the us to understand what they're doing again both on the insurance side and the pension side um, so there's there's always an expert somewhere in the business that you can call upon. And what, what do you do outside of work? I, I guess when I scroll through LinkedIn, it's not just for companies. So you've, you've had other projects on the go. You've been um, a member of the board of directors for the health opportunities yeah. team. You've been a trustee director you've obviously talked about your your time contracting so you've, you've and I think you're a, you've been a volunteer somewhere as well so how, how do you fit that stuff in with work and, and what are your interests outside of work um so yeah so I've done a lot so I was when I was at the insurance company I was a trustee of their pension scheme and that was really interesting being the other uh, other side of the table and listening to all the advice um and then I got involved in health opportunities team when my children were young. Um, I think it was when my son started school and my daughter was at nursery and I was still only working four days a week and thought, I'm going to do something with my, my day off a week and do something. And that was helping disadvantaged young people in Edinburgh. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, and unfortunately, um, I think it was during COVID we we had to make the decision to to close the charity, which was very sad. Um, but again, you know, it, it it was really interesting finding out how charities view things and how they work. I probably do less of that now. I I seem to be mum's taxi service at the moment, so I spend most of my time driving children to parties or activities or um, different bits and pieces, but. I like gardening, spending time with my family, traveling. Um, I love, we live in Edinburgh, but we love Northumberland. We spend a lot of time down in Northumberland exploring all the beaches and the um, and the castles and, and things down there. Um, but yeah, I wish I had more time. Yeah. How well have you found, obviously you've got, you've got children, you, 
you mentioned, have you had any challenges in this profession with going off on, on maternity leave? Does it, what, what challenges does it pose? Does it hold you back in any way or has it been okay for you? I I found it very difficult when I came back from my first maternity leave. And I think maybe this drove my decision to move away from consulting um, because my focus had changed. So I think in that year I was away, um, a lot of my clients had been passed on to a colleague and I got a couple of them back, but not many. But I also knew I, there's only two years between my children. Um, and so within three months of being back, I was pregnant and I knew I'd be going off again. So, and I wasn't particularly well during my pregnancies either. So, you know, I felt pretty rubbish. So I, I find that period very, very hard. Um, but afterwards I've not found it too bad um I had um yeah I mean I've worked part-time I've found that balance really nice um there's always the guilt there's the guilt of not spending enough time work or not spending enough time with the children Uh, but my children are now they're coming up for 10 and 12 um and I've I've made peace with I'm never going to do everything perfectly um but uh, my children are in a good place. They're happy. Um, I'm happy. I'm happy with the balance I have between the two. And I think a happy mum makes things a lot easier. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I wish I could do more in terms of going to school events and uh, getting involved. Um, but I need that intellectual challenge that my job gives me. And I need that that thing that's mine and my career gives me that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um. I'll I'll ask uh, the three questions that I usually do at this point in the in the conversation. So, just be interesting to get your thoughts. The first one is: What advice would you give to anyone that's just starting their career in in pensions now? Um. I'd say, don't wait to be told what to do. Your career is your own, and you've kind you've got to go out there and find the opportunities yourself. Nice. Very succinct. <laughs> Can you give any examples of that just to expand on it? Um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, just you've got to do what interests you. Um, and so if there is a particular thing you're interested in, just go and talk to senior people and tell that you're interested. You know, now I'm sort of at the other end of of it. I love it when students come to me and go, oh, that's really interesting. I'm really keen to learn more about that because I know who to go to next time that comes up. Um, and, uh, you know, I think sometimes you can, well, certainly for me, when I started working, I kind of expected people to tell me when I was ready for the next step or ready for the next part. We're all too busy thinking about our own careers. We actually need you to tell us. It's not that we're not invested in you. We are. It's just we are also trying to manage our own lives and you know the lives of everybody else in the team. So you know, don't be afraid to say you're interested, you're keen, or you're, it's only going to be seen as a positive. Fantastic. The second question is possibly the hardest of the three, which is how do you see the role of the pensions actually evolving over time? And what role do people at your level have to play in that? Um, so I I kind of assumed when I started my career that by this point, the DB pension would be dead. 
um, and it's not, it's still going strong. Um, and I think even though pension schemes are a lot more mature, they're a lot better funded, they are beginning to look towards, you know, the end. There's still a huge amount out there. So there's a lot for pensions actuaries to do. So don't worry about your career because there's there's plenty. Um, I think it's really just keeping up to date with technology. Um, you know, a lot of models are still in Excel. That's quite outdated. We maybe need to think about moving into to, um, better tools. Um, and then for people like me, I need to learn how to use those tools because you know, Excel feels safe for me. Um, but I, I need to push myself and get out there. And then, you know, I'm really interested in seeing where AI takes takes the actuarial profession. It's um I I haven't really used it very much, but I think that is probably gonna get rid of a lot more of the the, the sort of the oh, I'm trying to think what it is that the repetitive work and the, the the redrafting and the rewording things. If if we can use AI for all that stuff we can really get involved in interesting complex things. Um and then I think you know, what's been really interesting maybe over the last 12, 18 months is the f funding positions of pensions have changed completely and the approach pensions actuaries have to take to pension schemes is changing significantly. So all of a sudden surpluses have become a really big issue. Um, you know, affordability for, for buyout has become a really big issue. Um, but that's created its own challenges. So I think really we've got to start thinking quite creatively what we were doing five years ago doesn't work now um and uh i yeah it's really it's really exciting um and again in five years time or maybe even less um you know it could change all again so it, it's sort of not not just doing things the way they've always been done but actually challenging ourselves and thinking is that is that the best thing to do for our clients i'm going to throw in a bonus question just for you mm. which is when you were at school, your teacher said, whatever you do, don't become an actuary. Yeah. And you almost took their <laughs> advice. And yep. um, what would you say to people at school or uni in terms of why they should become an actuary? Yeah, I think it's a it's a really interesting, exciting career. Um, you, if you want an intellectual challenge, if you like using maths and numbers, it's, it's a great career to have. It, it, you know, there's an awful lot of, heavy lifting to to qualify and to get there and so you almost there is a lot of sacrifice you need to make in those early years um and so you have to make that you really have to make a decision as to whether or not you are prepared to do it but i think if you do do it it's well worth it it's really interesting and you know i've met a lot of very interesting people and i'm still to me the stereotypical actuary would you have done anything differently if you had your career again? I probably would find my voice a lot earlier. Um I was I was always waiting for somebody to tell me I was good enough for things. Whereas I think I probably would have pushed is the wrong word, but I probably would have spoken up a bit more about I'm ready for this, I want this, this isn't working for me. Um yeah. Brilliant. And then my final question is, what are you looking forward to in the next 12 months? And that can be work, it can be personal, it can be one of each if you like. Um, so work-wise, um, I'm looking forward to 
getting the first few of our deals under the belt um, and, you know, being able to go out to clients and say, look, we've, we've done all this for our clients. We can do this for you. So that's that's the big thing there. And then personally, I'm actually looking at taking um, a bit of time off next summer um, before my son goes to senior school and doing a bit of traveling. Um, so, yeah, work-life balance. <laughs> Brilliant. I, I don't know why, but I want to ask you another bonus question, um, okay, if, I, if I may, which is, um, so you're, you're, you're specialising in, in the sort of end game de-risking stuff now. Mm. Um, I guess where with the market is and how busy it is, it's probably becoming increasingly possible for people to specialise in that earlier on. And I don't know, there might be grads going straight into those teams. Would you recommend that they do that? Or is it better do you think to to be, be a bit more of a generalist first what's your view um i yeah i mean i think it's going to be a big enough business that y- you could go into it um yeah, and, and it gives you a lot of skills it gives you a lot of you know learning how data works how pension schemes work how liabilities work um depending on what side of it or you're on you know if you're on pricing it's it's sort of building business cases and um you know uh, onboarding clients and all those sorts of things if you're on the consulting side it's uh helping clients with you know big projects and navigate a completely different language and regulatory regime and and all those sorts of things so yeah i would absolutely recommend it i think you can build a lot of skills working in bpa that are very transferable to other areas as well so you're not you're not pigeoning pigeonholing yourself into into one particular role fantastic well i won't for anything else at you but thank you so much for for answering my questions and uh, and for sharing your 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 story with us um you mentioned earlier you enjoy it when people approach you and ask you questions and, and that kind of thing um if people are listening to this and would like to get in touch with you are you happy for them to do so and, and what's the best way for them to do that absolutely probably the best thing is to look look me up on uh, linkedin and uh, send me a message through that and i'm more than happy to answer any questions brilliant well i'll, I'll make sure i put a link to your linkedin page in the in the notes on the show and uh yeah all that remains is to say a huge thank you very much elona it's been a pleasure and um thanks for being on the show thank you very much thanks for listening to this episode of actuarial people please don't forget to subscribe and consider leaving a review if you have any questions or feedback or any suggestions for future guests please contact me on info at actuarialpeople.com This podcast is sponsored by my recruitment company, Turner Perkins, and you can contact me there at james.turner at turnerperkins.com. Hope to see you again.